just kind of a, a fresh word from the Father. And it, it's not going to be the main theme of what I'm preaching on tonight, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to fit somebody real, real good. It's going gonna, it's gonna to just like, bang, that's me. That's, that's what it's going to do. And uh, I've been in the ministry uh, long enough that I have spent, I'm going to say, countless hours, countless hours in waiting rooms, in waiting rooms, hours and hours and hours. Sometimes I would be in a waiting room from 6.30, 7 in the morning until noon. Uh, sometimes I've been there from 1 in the afternoon till night. I don't like waiting rooms. I go to them a lot, but I don't like them because you're sitting there waiting on news. Is that not correct? I don't like waiting to go to the dentist. You're looking innocent. I don't know of anybody here that frolics their way to the dental office and say, oh, go for it. We don't do it, right? But it's one of those things that we go through. I don't like going to my doctor's office and uh, sitting outside knowing that he has the results on my blood work in there on a computer. And when I walk in, he's going to turn it on and go, well, I see you have gained weight. Right? And she's the one that gets the blood out of me over it. <laughs> yeah. She, yeah. And uh, that's the only time in the world that I don't like her. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. But, uh, but uh, Abraham went through a 25-year waiting room. And Moses... Went through a 40-year waiting room, and then guess what he got? Another 40. And uh, the list is endless, literally, about people in the Bible who wanted something to take place and get going and make it happen and do it now, but it didn't happen right then. Has anybody got, got this? Could I see the hand? If you're not thrilled about the waiting room, could I see your hand? I'm, I'm not. I, I don't, uh, I just don't get thrilled about it. And especially if something's going to be done to me. And, uh, and so I, I just, I have this kind of fresh word from the Lord tonight. It's not even my sermon as such. But if you're in the waiting room, don't give up. Good things are on the way. Amen. Abraham and Sarah got that baby. Amen. And uh, the waiting room got old Abraham in trouble because he didn't act right in the waiting room. Y'all are grinning. I appreciate you grinning on that because that was a pretty big insult for a lot of people. Amen. We just, we just don't get it all put together sometimes. And uh, 
Jesus was in the waiting room. Would you say amen to that? He was in that wilderness. And, and But if, if you're willing to hang in there, you're going to make it. And this new year's here. What we're into it, how many days today? I don't even know what today is. Twelve? Twelve? We're only twelve days. We're not even two weeks into the brand new year. We've got, uh, we've got uh, what, uh, uh, 50 more weeks to go. And right now is the time for you to make up your mind that the waiting room is not always going to be fun. But if you'll hang in there, God has got something waiting good for you. Is that right? Uh, <clears throat> I know that you English teachers and specialist in human speech are going to think I'm not making good sense when I say this tonight, but I'm going to preach a sermon entitled, Who is Her? Who is Her? That's what little kids say. Who is her? <laughs> That's what some grown people say in Texas. <laughs> Come on, grin about that one. And I'm going to talk about who is her out of Exodus chapter 17. And the word is spelled H-U-R. <laughs> oh, I had you set up good, didn't I? Somebody say out loud, he got me. Okay, who is her? So when I say her, I'm not talking about her. I'm talking about her. <laughs> and uh, this is uh, an unusually different word from God, but at the same time a very good word from God. So in Exodus chapter 17 and verse 8, there's this bad guy named Amalek. We know him as the head of the Amalekites. There's all kinds of kites, the Hivites and the Hittites and the Amalekites and the Termites and the, uh, 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 the Electrolytes, uh, and, and there's just all kind of, kind of lights. So the Amalekites are in a battle with Israel, and verse 9 says, Moses said to Joshua, Choose out men and go out, fight with Amalek, Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek and Moses and Aaron and say it out loud with me, her, I like that, went up to the top of the hill. All right. It came to pass when Moses held up his hand, then Israel prevailed. When he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him. Now, would everybody stop right here and get a visual? Here's this guy over 80 years old, right? Come on, over 80. And he is there and he's had his hands up a long time and he's tired and they go get him a big rock 
maybe led him a few feet or whatever and had him to sit on the rock. They, uh, they, they got the heavy hands and, and they knew it, so they put a rock under him and he sat there on. And Aaron and, say it with me, her stayed up his hands and one on the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek. You don't know what that means. It means he beat the daylights out of him. Uh, And his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said to Moses, Write this for memorial in a book. Rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. I will utterly put down or put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. I like that, don't you? For he said, because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Now listen to this. He will have war with him. And that went on until finally the Simeonites wiped out Amalek and I might add, in case you haven't studied this out as thoroughly uh, as I have, I might add that uh, there is no group that anybody knows of today in the 2020 year that has uh, no, no group claims kinfolk or bloodline to Amalek and the Amalekites in the world today. So God put an end to that, but it didn't happen in a few moments' time. There is a little-known hero in Exodus 17 that we have read about. We don't know a lot about this guy named Hur. Jewish tradition, not the Bible. You got it? Jewish tradition suggests that he was a husband of Miriam. That would make him Moses' brother-in-law. I don't know about that. Somehow he got connected to Moses, Aaron, and Joshua. And we aren't told his age exactly or position. And we don't know any details more than this about his life. He just pops up in the Scripture does a job, and is gone. Can you imagine that? We do know he was involved in a battle with the Amalekite army. And I also want to point out, young or old, and actual age, we don't know, but one commentary that I read suggested that he may have been, been Miriam's son. That would make uh, Moses his uncle. Okay, so if you go find something different, you can believe what you want to about it, and you won't go to heaven or hell over it because it won't make any difference. Would you say amen to that? I'm telling you all I know and a few things I don't really know just yet. Aren't you glad I'm honest? Come on, say amen. Have you ever told anybody something you didn't really know? Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Was it about her? No, I'll leave that alone. That's just too easy right there. (laughs) But three things that we do know 
And that is, he shows up in the Scripture, he fills a position, and then suddenly disappears from the narrative. Bang, bang, bang. And it's gone. And it all remains sketchy right now. And the past or the future of this man, listen to my words, is not important at all. It's not important at all. The brief glimpse that we got of him is this. Are you ready? He was at the right place at the right time, and when he was needed, he was faithful to do the job that God called him to do. Wow, we. You know, when I say that, that's kind of a monumental thing because enough. Enough enthusiasm to get started is not hard to find. But enough to keep going is kind of rare. I had a guy tell me, well, I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach for a couple of years and see how it goes, he said. And I told him, I can already tell you how it's going to go. (laughs) I've been going through it for a half a century or more. I know how it's going to go. There will be happy people and nice people in the same pew with the mean and the bad ones. And I mean that. I'm not bitter. I'm just telling you the facts. I've been around. How many of y'all know I'm not mean? Okay? There will be uh, tight wads and liberal givers in the same church. Some people will squeeze a nickel so hard when they drop in the offering plate that the Indian will ride the buffalo on the other side (laughs) before they let it go. Bill, you going to fish bump on that one? Yeah, you got it. Uh, they're, they're all kinds. So you cannot base what you're going to do for God. You cannot base what you're going to do for God on people. You've got to fulfill the job. And you have to do it in Jesus' name. Now, without her uh, having a real commitment, the Israelite army, led by Joshua would have suffered defeat that day because as long as the 80-something-year-old preacher had his hands up, they were having victory, and as long as they were down, the enemy was overtaking them and pursuing them. Now, when church is over tonight and you want to know why it's like that, I'm going to tell you why. I don't know. I just don't know. I don't know how in the world God does what He does. I don't know how He can how He can keep an orange clean in the mud, and you can pick it up and wash it off and eat it. I don't know how God can keep keep a duck dry in water. Amen. I don't know how He can keep a worm clean in the mud, but God can do anything He wants. And He put this story in the Bible. And I think sometimes we overstudy things, and we try to get a little too far. When God's trying to say something just quite simple to us, amen? I'm just looking for an amen right now. A close study reveals this battle has taken place. Now, here's a powerful thing right here. A close study reveals this battle has taken place right after Israel left Egypt. (laughs) Somebody said, what does that tell me? That tells me automatically that Israel was not an experienced army. 
There is no record in the Bible where Israel conducted military maneuvers before they left Egypt. Moses just got up and said, Okay, guys, tonight we're going to leave. There are three million of us, and we've got to get out of Dodge before sundown. And they packed up and moved out, and three million people squeezed through that water as God rolled it back in one night. I've seen these little pictures in the Bible, that pictorial-type Bible, and they'd have the water roll back from that wall to that wall and real high in a line of people. That, that's just totally inaccurate. Three million people could not be run through this building in one night. Come on, buddy. I did a little figuring on it one day, and I, and, and I found out that that water had to be at least three miles wide. Uh, and, and it's phenomenal how far God rolled the water back. It, it's shocking what God can do when God wants to do something. The Amalekites were descendants of Esau. Esau was a tough brute. He was not a mama's boy. He was not an easygoing, laid-back guy. He could take a spear and a sling and go in the woods and kill enough animals to eat and live and not die. And a lot of people weren't that tough. And so they are descendants of Esau, and, and they were people known about their unfair tactics. And your enemy today is not going to fight fair. He's a cheap fighter. He'll use an elbow, the toe of a boot. He'll kick, he'll paw, and he'll claw, and he'll break every rule that he can break. And I just want to understand one thing with you. They would attack the weak and the elderly and the weary from the back. Esau, his descendants would do that. They would hang out behind Israel and come up behind them and steal their cattle. They'd steal everybody that was weak and kill them. They did all they could do because they were an enemy of God. Now, understanding that, they were not well marshaled. Israel was not well marshaled in military maneuvers. So when you're not that skilled, guess what? Somebody else is in your camp. Come on, buddy. That's going to keep you going and going to keep you encouraged in Christ. From their observation point, uh, Moses and Aaron and, say it with me, her, <laughs> uh, watched the conflict unfold in the valley. They were watching the conflict. And when uh, Moses held up his hands, Israel prevailed. When his hands went down, the enemy pursued and prevailed. And uh, they were not involved in a hand-to-hand combat. Moses, Aaron, and her were not involved in hand-to-hand combat. But the outcome of the victory was in somebody that was not involved in hand-to-hand combat. And I want you to listen carefully because I'm going to make a pretty powerful little point right here. And if you will allow me to tell you, That if you're not on the front lines, pastoral staff uh, out there doing those things, some type of very 
powerful ministry, if you're not out there doing that, you just remember that they are and they're being attacked. They're being attacked. Somebody is after them to hurt them. And I mean that. Now, that does not mean that we're walking around bawling and crying and sobbing and wiping tears and having horrible meetings trying to figure out how we're going to handle the devil. That's not what I'm talking about. But somebody that's not hand-to-hand combat has got to be willing to be somewhere to hold up the hands of those on the front lines. Is that making good sense? Praise God. Go ahead and give God a little honor there, would you? Now, may I ask this? Have you ever tried to see how long you could hold your hands above your head without help? When I was seeking the infilling of the Holy Spirit, they held our hands up until we thought our arms were going to fall off. Amen. That's true. Tammy, you all enough remember those days? Yeah. They screamed in this ear, hold on, hold on, hold on. They screamed in this ear, let go, let go, let go. Amen. They'd say, turn loose, turn loose, turn loose, turn, let go, let go, let go. And then a little while somebody said, man, you got to hang on. I was turning loose, hanging on, letting go, all this. I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, they were pounding it into me. It was get filled or get killed. I mean, that's what they were going to do. Uh, and, and they held my hands up. That, in fact, there was one time when I was praying in the altar as a kid, I was worn out. And somebody went and got a, a, a glass of water and brought it to me and held my head up and gave me a drink and set it down and said, now, let's keep going. They would not let me quit until God baptized me in the Holy Ghost. Aren't you glad you're living in this time when they don't beat it into you? Amen. I mean, I, I didn't have enough. We didn't have enough sense to know in those days. All you had to do was just lift your hands, open your mouth, and begin to praise God in the Spirit, and it would flow out of you because that's what God said it would do. Does that make good sense? And here we are trying. Oh God. Oh God. Don't do that. Open your mouth and magnify the Lord and praise Him. And the first thing you do when you do it, the devil's going to say, That's the flesh. That's the flesh. That's not God. That's you. You did that. God didn't do that. Look at me. Satan is not living in you. God's living in you. God's living in you. And let the Holy Ghost come down and praise Him and magnify Him. And lift up the name of Jesus. Somebody say amen. Have you, can you imagine the dilemma on the top of the mountain that day? Forget the war down in the valley. Just look at the mountain. Moses could not alternate between one hand to the other. He couldn't do like this. And then like this. And then like this. He couldn't do that. It goes on to say he had both of his hands up. I don't know who came up with that plan. But between the three on the mountain, Aaron and Moses and, say it with me, her, they all got together and found a plan that God would work with. And that plan was to help this old, old preacher keep his hands up until the sun went down. If we can hang on till night, 
Sometimes you can't give up. You got to just hang on and not quit and not back down and not back out. Have you ever been there when you thought the battle was not? Have you ever been in the waiting room that long? Amen. Uh, victory came when all three, listen to these words, young and old, were doing their part. Oh, you young people, you don't know how much you're helping this church. You really don't know. You don't know how exciting it is to have visitors come in, and there's a big old huge bunch of you guys over there, and Sunday nights y'all get victory and move over here with us old people. Amen. Uh, and, and I don't think you understand how many people leave our church and we follow up and they say, Wow, those young people are on fire for God. They were praising God. The so-and-so was praising God. They were magnifying the Lord. Man, uh, they were up there praying with people. Yeah. You know what they're doing? They're doing their part of the holding the hands up to people on the front lines in the body of Jesus Christ. That's just good stuff, isn't it? Come on and say amen. You see, uh, I want to tell you, imagine the tension in your neck muscles, in your shoulders, of all three of these guys all day long, never giving up the task. If anybody here, I'm not asking you to do this, please don't do this, it's, it's not a good exercise. But if there's anybody in this place would put up two hands and hold them high as you can get them and just leave them until I finish this sermon. I'm not a betting guy, but I'd bet you a plug nickel that I could out-preach you while you hold your hands up. Amen? And, and so, ultimately, imagine what's going on in their neck. How many of y'all ever wake up and, you're, and your neck is stiff, your back, oh, oh God, you know, help me, Jesus. Uh, you know, and you get older and older and older. If you were not in my Sunday school class this morning, I told a couple of funny stories about old people and, and grandkids. And uh, I told about the little boy that went into the, his grandpa's house and said, Grandpa, all, for all of you that slept in, I'm sorry. I, I'll leave it alone. I know you want me to. But, but for, 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 for this little guy goes in, he says, Grandpa, can you croak like a bullfrog? And he said, I sure can. He said, well, do it. And the little kid says, uh, hurry up. Grandpa says, what's the rush? He said, just do it. He says, eighty, eighty, eighty. And then in there he says, like a bullfrog. The kid jumps up, up and down, and claps his hands. And he said, why are you so happy? He said, Grandpa, Mom, and Dad said, as soon as you croak, we're going to get to go to Disneyland. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> oh, how sad. How tough. See what you're missing when you miss one of these good Sunday school classes? Mm-hmm. Somebody say her. There you are. Are we getting it tonight? Uh, yeah, Philadelphia, uh, croak means die. <laughs> Amen. Okay, uh, the, the book, the book. Let's look at that part again. So, so the task was monotonous, but very important. 
so, so important that God instructed Moses to write a book to be rehearsed in the ears of Joshua. How many of y'all know that sometimes it's good to glance back? Amen. Sometimes it's just good to look back. I don't mean you can't live in the past. Look, don't leave out of that parking lot tonight trying to drive home looking in the rearview mirror. You won't make it. You won't make it. We'll be coming there, pick you up, get you to the emergency room, get some stitches. It just doesn't work. But, but that occasional glance back, that occasional look back and say, God, I know where you brought me from. I know what I used to be. I know how I was. And I know what I did. And it's under the blood. And it's gone by the power of Jesus' name. And sometimes we need to have a rehearsal. Just once in a while and look back at what God did. So God said, Moses, you write a book so this young preacher that's fighting on the front lines can see it again. And the, books, the book was perhaps to remind Joshua that victory came, are you ready, through a team effort. Not by one person. The pastors and their staff cannot win the battles by themselves. And you can't win yours by yourself sometimes. But when you help them and they help you, when you have Aaron and her helping, guess what? Amalekites are going to be put to run in the power of Jesus' name. Everybody say amen to that. Her was not mentioned in Hebrews 11 and the heroes. <laughs> I went over there to find out. I said, I wonder if he's over here with all those great ones they talked about. Nope. He was, bless his heart. Amen. I mean, the whole battle hinged on what he and Aaron were doing, but they're not mentioned over there. But, but let me point out something. Hebrews 12 and 12 does say that if you have hands that hang down, lift them up. So every once in a while when the enemy is raging, throw two hands up and shout, Hallelujah! Do it at Walmart. <laughs> Do it in the grocery store. Do it at the gas station. Do something for God and God will bless you. I, uh, uh, when the stock market really fouled up, what, 12 years ago, 15 years ago now, and everything went awry, and everybody lost hundreds and thousands and maybe millions of dollars, I pulled in the shell station up here, and my doctor got out of his car, and while I was pumping my gas, he was pumping his in the next deal over there, and I said, how you doing today, doctor? And I called him by his name. He said, not too good. He said, I, I lost $300,000 this morning. And uh, he was very distraught. So I walked over, and I got him by the hand, and I said, I'm going to pray for you. And uh, <laughs> he said, he got to looking around to see if anybody was in there. He did not want me praying for him in the name of Jesus with 30 people around the gas pumps. So I prayed. When I got through, he thanked me, and he put up the gas nozzle, walked over to my car. <clears throat> he said, bend over. And I said, like this? He said, yeah. And he took his hands and put them on my head. 
He said, I'm going to give you a free uh, cancer screening right now. <laughs> Come on. He gave me a free doctor's visit in a parking lot of a gas station. But come on, buddy, shout a little bit for me, amen? If you do something for God, God's going to do something for you. Amen. So, so praise God anyhow. Somebody say, I'm going to praise God anyhow. Now, I'm going to do some wrap-up real quick. But to hold up somebody else's hand is very simple. It's saying, I'm supporting you in prayer and praise and in tangible ways. Say prayer, praise, and tangible ways. Amen? Three ways when you hold somebody's hands up in, in encouragement. Would you listen to what I'm going to tell you now? Be an encourager. Stand beside somebody in a trial and be by their side. Help somebody bear a burden and a care. Share some of your resources with someone. Uh, that could easily represent you holding up somebody else's hand. And when you do, there's going to be a victory come in Jesus' name. Galatians 6 and 2 says, Bear one another's burdens, and so you will fulfill the law of Christ. Galatians 6 and 2. I want you to take a moment like I've done when I receive this from God. Look back at the people who have supplied similar blessings to you. Who's blessed you in the past? Who has walked up to you with an encouraging handshake and said, I believe in you? Who has walked up to you in a time of trial? Who has taken time out of their schedule, though it was busy, to drop by your house and say, you were on my mind today. I'll only take five minutes. I'm not going to tie you up, but I want to speak to your heart and just pray with you. Who's ever done that to you? Amen? I've had people to call me on the phone. And my former pastor at one day, we were in the middle of a church split. And I'm not talking about fragmented. I'm talking about split about open rebellion, bad spirits. We were praying and praying and praying, and there was an upheaval. And uh, there was a famous television preacher in those days that, uh, that uh, I'm almost scared to call his name because some of you may have sent him $1,000. <clears> but uh, he got a bunch of followers in our town, and... Uh, and they decided that I didn't need to be the pastor. They need to let somebody out of Dallas pastor us and put up a satellite in the church. And we just get services. And we all sit on the pew and watch. And then uh, if somebody got sick or in the hospital or needed help or somebody had somebody die or dedicate a baby or preach a funeral or whatever, they'd let us do it, but we'd send everything to Dallas. So the guy who had two Lear jets could uh, enjoy his lifestyle and, I said, no, I think God had a different plan for that. I think God had shepherds for the church. If you disagree with that, guess what? You've been wrong before. Okay? If you disagree with that, you've been wrong before. And so anyway, they all left one Sunday. One Sunday morning. They, they didn't wait. 
and, and, and make their phone calls on Saturday. They came to Sunday school, and when the big crowd was coming in for the worship hour, they all got together and hit every exit walking out while the crowd was walking in. And they, they said, uh, where are you guys going? Oh, we're going to go down the street. We're starting a church at the bank building. Now, we got a room rented. We're going to show this town how to build a church. And uh, an open, blatant rebellion. And, uh, and, and it was tough. Would you look at me? It was an ego breaker. It was bad. And the people came on in and said, what is going on? And I said, there's a crowd. and uh, They want us to join the Dallas deal and uh, et cetera. And I explained it to them. And they said, well, why did they do it in such rebellion, just walking out in front of everybody? I said, you'll have to talk to them about that. All we need to do is pray. And from then on, our church finances grew. Our crowds grew. When I left the church, it had twice as many people in it as it did when I took the church. And God made a turnaround because somebody said, I want to hold your hands up, preacher. I'm going to hold your hands up. And guess what? Those people still call us. They still see us. We don't go seek them out. They'll drive through town once in a while and say, We're in town. Could we buy you a hamburger? Amen. I, I, I've got to just give you these little examples and then we'll pray. If you look back at the people who have supplied blessings on you, then you take Aaron and her and, and, and you take actions and you help somebody else who may be going through a trial. I, I don't know of all the people who have done that same thing for me and mine. I was in the office the Sunday after all the people left our former pastorate and uh, I got a phone call. Uh, and they didn't have caller ID. Uh, it, it was like, shh, shh. How many of y'all remember the rotary dial? That's what it was. Shh. And I answered the phone at the church. And uh, a guy said, is this Brother Johnson? And I said, yes, sir. He said, you don't know me, and I'm not going to identify myself. And he said, I'm not going to talk to you but for a minute, but I'm in California, and I know you fix to start church. He said, I've been in meetings you preached out here. He said, I don't know what this means. I don't know one thing about it. I can't tell you anything except God spoke to me a while ago and said, get up and call him and tell him that whatever he does, walking in the Holy Ghost is the right thing to do, and he's right. And he said, did you get that? And I said, yes, sir, I got it. And he said, I love you, man. Bye. And hung up. I have no clue who did that. Somebody said, when you get to heaven, you're going to ask? No, I won't care. Come on, say amen. When you get to heaven, I'm not going to care. I'm not going to go all the billions. Did you call me one Sunday? You know? <laughs> not on your life. I got, I'm going to be bowing down, throwing my crown at Jesus' feet, jumping up and down, running down the street of gold, praising God, magnifying the Lord. 
leg kicking and jumping up and down, clapping my hands and praising God. Not because I made it by the skin of my teeth, but because somebody, when the war was taking place, got on the mountain and said, You're not going down, pal. We're going to make it in Jesus' name. And God's on the throne and God's alive and He's going to do His work. Somebody give God one more big praise. Amen. For me, it's been my wife of 50 years. For me, it's been my family. For me, it was Jamil and Melissa and Barbara. Uh, For me, it was a mother who prayed for me. My dad was in heaven. For me, it was loyal church people who recognized the war was waging in the valley. And they stood up and said, we're going to make it. I cherish their prayers and their wisdom and their insight. I need a her. H-U-R. I cannot omit godly parents, church elders that would be there when the going got tough. Sometimes it may have been a happily yet obscure Christian behind the scenes, a team member that stood up When it really counted, sometimes it's an encourager and a prayer partner that holds up your hands while the battle's going on. Be a her and hold up somebody until the sun goes down. Who is her? Amen. God bless you. Thank you tonight for letting me preach this word to you. I feel like it's from God. I struggle over it. I had it outlined for two months in my office, literally. I tried to preach it another time or two, and God said, nope, not yet. And if you're not a preacher, you wouldn't understand that. We just don't sit around and say, ah, this sounds good to me. We have to be led of the Holy Spirit. And uh, God is still on the throne. Get on the mountain. Lift up the staff. Get their hands up high. Your neck is going to get sore. Your arms will get tired. Drag a chair or a rock. Let them sit down on it till dark. Amen. And God is going to do the work. God's going to do the work in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to pray. Father, I love you today for your help. I really believe that this has been a word from God for somebody. Maybe a staff member. Maybe the lead pastoral staff. Maybe somebody in a different department with children or teens. Maybe somebody who teaches a Sunday school class. I I don't know who it would be exactly for, but I know when I look back and I needed it, I always had a her that was there. And I want to thank you for that in Jesus' name. Let us leave this house today full of the Holy Spirit. And tomorrow... Lay somebody, lay somebody on our hearts that just a three-minute phone call, not even a long conversation, that will build them up in holy faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wednesday night, what time do we eat?